0: I'm Deborah Bigde and this is the Restoring Hope Podcast, where you can come to discover that no matter how bleak your situation may seem, you can experience true hope and ultimate health. And I'm not referring to just your physical health. I'm talking about a holistic approach to your health, including your mental, emotional, spiritual, and financial health. Join me as I share inspiring stories, incredible guests, and tangible actions that will transform you into the healthiest version of you, that version of you that is fully restored and hopeful for all that is possible. Welcome, 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 all my friends. I am so glad that you're able to join me today, and I am really looking forward to sharing this story This, I don't know what one of my stories is my favorite, but I love to tell this story. This is about feeling abandoned by God. Feeling abandoned by God, even though when you think about it, you feel like you are doing all the things to trust God. Have you ever felt like that? Like you have literally turned everything over to God and still you feel as though he's just forgotten about you. So you have probably, if you've not heard the different podcasts that I've done so far, I'm just going to give you the 30-second overview, and that is that um, back in 2008, my husband and I had just come back from a trip to Italy. We had crawled up the holy stairs. We had said a prayer. We came back um, the, the beginning of January 2008. My husband lost his job. As you know, that was the beginning of a major recession. The following month, uh, our house, our property was hit by a tornado. The following month, my husband's skin cancer came back, and we did not have health insurance. All the while, he was interviewing for jobs, was being told that they loved him, they were going to call him the next day with a job offer, and the next day would come, and suddenly the job was frozen. So, as you might imagine, <laughs> this was a little bit challenging, right? This went on for probably about eight to nine months. Um. My husband was going on interview after interview. And no matter what, he kept getting told no, or really not so much no, but the job has been frozen. And in each one was so incredibly promising. And I distinctly remember one day, we were in our bedroom. And I believe we were probably folding laundry. And he just looked at me and he was defeated. Now, mind you, during this time, we had also um, participated in a church retreat, one that we had heard about for years, but honestly, when he was working, it never seemed feasible, right? He was always super busy with work, but because this past March, clearly work was not an issue. He was completely unemployed. I was not working at the time, like I said, I was homeschooling our children, but we decided we would participate in this retreat so it was a men's retreat one weekend the following week or like two weeks later it would be the women's retreat after it oh my gosh you we were so inspired we joined the weekly prayer group or bible study group that came out of that so we were attending um you know that weekly but i remember this day it was probably august september and my husband just looked at me and chris said what is wrong with me Something must be wrong, right? I mean, he had been interviewing at this point for eight to nine months. And no matter what he did, no matter what they said, the answer always came back the same. The job is frozen or no. And he just looked at me. He goes, there must be something wrong. What is wrong with me? Why doesn't anybody want me? Why won't anybody hire me? And he was like i have turned everything over to god i have been trusting god in all of this and he is not helping i feel abandoned can you think of a time in your life where you feel like you have literally laid everything at god's feet and still you feel abandoned and you wonder what is wrong with me what have i done wrong Right now, these are questions that are natural as humans to ask, even if ultimately we know that sometimes we don't know why. There may not be a reason why you haven't necessarily done anything wrong, but there is a journey that God wants you to walk. That does not necessarily mean it's easy. And I remember as my husband said this to me, I looked at him and I said, Hun, I don't know. I don't know why we are being asked to walk this journey. And yes, I agree that we have turned over a lot to God. We have laid so much at his feet. We are trusting in him so much to provide for us because at this point we were living off of our savings, okay? And we were blowing through it at a pretty rapid rate between the tornado and the skin cancer Um, and not having, you know, any income coming in, we're blowing through the money pretty quickly, but I looked at him and I said, but there is one thing that you have maintained complete control of over. And that one thing is our fertility. We have not trusted God with our fertility. You see, we practice natural family planning, and if you don't know what that is, it's basically where you track a woman's cycle. There really is only one time a month that a woman is actually fertile. You can track that through different temperatures and other uh, measurements that you can do, and we very much, I should really say, Chris, very much made sure that Anytime we wanted to have sexy time, it was a safe time. Okay. Because if you uh, abstain from sex during your fertile cycle, you won't get pregnant right now. It does require that you definitely do a good job of tracking and you keep up with it. And we had been very faithful about natural family planning. And like I said, we had maintained total control over that. And so I looked at Chris and I was like, we have not trusted God with our fertility. Maybe we just need to lay everything at his feet to include our fertility because, mind you, it seemed very logical that it was not a good time to get pregnant, right? We had been without income for eight to nine months. We had no health insurance. So it seemed very logical and very, very reasonable to say now might not be, the most opportune time to get pregnant. So I said this to him and I was like, let's maybe just lay this at his feet. Well, as you might imagine, that was kind of a hard thing to hear and receive. And we talked about it and he was like, okay, maybe. (laughs) I don't know that he felt super confident with that because honestly, we felt like we had turned everything over. But we decided that we would trust God with our fertility. So I wanna ask you, has there ever been a time in your life where you feel like you have just laid everything before God and you have turned everything over to him? And I want to ask you if you really have or if there's that one thing that you've maintained control because in all honesty it seems very logical that whatever it is that you're maintaining control of and you're keeping a certain way it makes lots of sense, especially on paper and logic, everything about it makes total sense. But maybe there is something that you're holding on to that you need to lay at God's feet. So long story short, Chris stopped asking if it was a safe time. And probably about two months later, I remember distinctly one time after we'd had some sexy time, He looked at me, and it was so cute because he was kind of like proud. He was like, so that probably wasn't a safe time, was it? Right? Because he had stopped asking. And I was like, well, that was probably safe. But last week, not so much. Because you see, during this time, I was still tracking. Because you just kind of get in this habit. I was still tracking it. But I was not saying anything, and I wasn't really paying that much attention. Well, lo and behold, don't you know... (laughs) About two weeks later, I tested positive for being, um, my pregnancy test came back positive when I missed my cycle. So this was right about the time that we were getting ready to celebrate our 13th anniversary. Uh, and Chris had planned this really wonderful surprise. I had no idea, but he had planned um, to have all of our wedding party get together and we were going to renew our vows at um, the church. And he surprised me. It was such a wonderful gift. and. At this ceremony, we announced our exciting news. Now, (laughs) if you could picture this, I actually had some people, I totally get it, that some people might think, ooh, not good timing. But I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't think I would ever actually have the balls, if you will, or the audacity, to actually say that to somebody. But I actually had people that looked at me and said, wow, That must've been a mistake. I really couldn't believe it because I can't ever imagine any life being a mistake. Yes, on paper, and to the human mind, it may not have made sense. It may not have seemed like the best time to get pregnant, but what I am going to tell you is this, that pregnancy, that precious little baby, turned out to be the biggest gift in the world and here's why so that was around november 2008 we had that precious little baby in july of 2009 now september of 2009 my father-in-law was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer we did not know any of this clearly back when we got pregnant. We did not even know about this when we had that precious, precious little baby. By the way, it was a girl. After three boys, we popped out a girl and a funny little side note story. We never find out the gender of any of our children. And so when we were at the hospital, the nurse was like, hey, I'm letting you know that it's not a 50-50 shot after three boys. And we're like, that's fine. I honestly at that point was like, ah, just have a basketball team. So, uh, after two C-sections and these are all different other stories to tell, but after two C-sections, my third baby came so fast, he actually was a natural delivery. Um, and so she was going to be a, um, natural birth as well. And when she popped out for like 1,000th of a split second, my husband's like, oh my goodness, something's wrong with the baby right? Because mind you, he had seen three boys, right? And with that, they're like, it's a girl. And he's like, ah, that's what it is. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with this baby. It's just not a boy. (laughs) So we had this precious little girl. We named her Honor. That is H-O-N-O-R, Honor. Some people think we're saying Anna, but precious little girl Honor. And here is the most amazing thing about this story. When my father-in-law was diagnosed with lung cancer about three months later, no, actually two months later, the first month, he kind of seemed okay, right? When the kids would look at him, he looked like grandpa looked normal. He was a little slow to get around. He was doing chemo. By month two, he was definitely slowing down. He was kind of starting to get the grayish look. He was losing his hair. And the other grandchildren were, I don't know, probably like two to maybe 10 years old. And so if you can imagine, to little kids that are that old, seeing somebody that they know and love, suddenly lose a lot of weight, suddenly lose their hair and if you have never seen someone that has have been through chemo number one you are very very blessed but let me tell you they get this kind of gray skin a very sunken in look in their face and this is what my father-in-law started to look like and so we would go over and visit with him and my my boys loved grandpa oh my gosh they loved grandpa so much And they would say hi to him, but he couldn't do the things that he used to be able to do, right? He pretty much very quickly became um, kind of stuck to a chair. Uh, Not through his own desire, but just physically was fatigued. And so my boys would kind of play off to the side in the room, but Honor, oh my goodness, she was three months old. She didn't know that Grandpa looked thin. She did not know that Grandpa w- had lost his hair. She didn't know that his skin was turning this scary grey colour. She just looked at Grandpa with the biggest smile and the most adorable blue eyes, and she would google and giggle and ooh and ah with grandpa and he would just eat it up. And he would love to hold her. We would go over, and I tell honor stories of this all the time. We'd go over, and he'd hold his hands out. If you could picture this, he'd hold his hands out and kind of clap them. Give me the baby, right? He loved to hold her. And for like the first month, he could hold her. And then the second month came, and he could hold her as long as he was kind of sitting in the recliner. And then the third month came, and the cancer was getting into his bones, and his whole body ached. And it hurt to hold honor. And so we would go and he'd be sitting in his recliner. And I would hold honor if you could picture it, like this lazy boy recliner. And I would hold honor on the arm, sit her on the armrest of the recliner. So she's facing grandpa, and her legs are kind of plopped over the armrest, if you can picture that down towards his lap and he would just stroke her legs and just smile at her and she'd smile back. And then when he got even sicker and he might be laying in the hospital bed, I would just bring her and she was just Googling Gaga at grandpa. And it brought him such joy to see her. And again, my kids would be there, but they were getting scared of how grandpa looked. Because by this time, grandpa looked really, really thin. His face was really sunken in. And when you're balding and you're balding because of chemo, you don't have that beautiful, shiny, like healthy looking bald head. You have that sick chemo cancer head. And so my boys would be there, but you could tell they were scared. And they were boys. They were little. It was hard for them just to sit and like, Not do anything, you know, but maybe say hi to grandpa and stuff. So they would be in the room, but honor, no, she was this gift. So you see back in November or even back in September when we just were like, why, but why we've turned everything over. And it was like, but one thing we are holding our grip on tight is our fertility. Maybe we just need to let that go. And so we did and it was scary and then we got pregnant and we still had no job and people were very quick to point that out to us. How this might not be a good time to be pregnant, how this must have been a mistake. I am sure many of them thought how irresponsible of you. I can't say that anybody actually said those words to us, but definitely, wow, that must have been a mistake. I'm sure you didn't mean that to happen. But God, I say that so often in my podcasts and in all my stories, but God knows. He's His timing is perfect. He always knows. And so what so many people thought was a mistake, what so many people thought was such bad timing, was the most perfect timing, the biggest gift in the world that could be given to my father-in-law as he is sick and battling cancer and getting sicker by the day. There's this precious little baby just full of life, not a care in the world for what grandpa looks like, just looking at him with these beautiful blue eyes and this great smile. And really, I tell her all the time, Honor, you were God's gift, Grandpa. God knew that it was the perfect timing. So I tell you, what is it in life that you are gripping onto because you think you know the perfect timing, but that God knows better, that you need to release and just trust at God, lay it down at his feet and know that if something happens and the timing does not seem right to you logically as a human or on paper or the budget or whatever, God's timing is over Always perfect. There is so much more to this story, but I'm going to leave it here and ask you to tell me in the comments, send me an email, connect with me on Facebook, on Instagram. I would love to hear from you something that you're either holding on to right now that you're scared to let go of. Something that you held on to in the past before that you did let go of. I want to hear your stories. I want to know what it is. And if there's something in particular I could be praying for you on, I am truly a woman of faith. I have no issues saying that. I tell people all the time. I love God. I am very much a faith-filled woman. And if that's not for everybody, that's okay. But I will never, ever, ever apologize for my beliefs and for truly feeling confident and strong and knowing that God always knows best. You guys, I have loved our time together today. Please, if you know of somebody that could benefit from hearing this, please share this with somebody. Follow me because that definitely helps to um, get people to notice this more. Because again, my hope and passion is that through my stories, through my vulnerability of being totally honest and just laying it out there, this will help somebody. This will help somebody through something they're going through right now or something they're getting ready to go through or to reflect back on something that they've been through in the past and maybe see it in a different light, right? We can't always change what happened, what happened is there, but the story that we put around what happened, we have total control over to change. You have an amazing day, and I look forward to chatting with you next week. Thank you for joining us today on the Restoring Hope podcast with your host, me, Deborah Bigdow. It would mean the world to me if you'd like and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with your family and friends and those that you think might benefit from what it is that we've shared today. Follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Check out my website. The link is listed below. My prayer for you, my friends, is that you are able to lean into the person that God has truly designed you to be, restoring hope for both yourself and all of those around you until next week, have an amazing day. Love you all. Can't wait to chat next week.